Hello, 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 Sandra. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How's everything going on your side? How's the day going today? How's today? Good. It's actually a very productive day, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> okay. A lot of people are very excited to have you today, so let's just give them a few moments to get online. Yeah, for sure. How was your day? No, today was good. You know, really just, I guess, been preparing to just kind of have you on the talk today, so just thinking up some questions in my mind and just how to really get the most out of today's segment. And we're super excited to have you today. Awesome. I'm excited to talk to you. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, I mean, as people are starting to come on, today's another segment of Let's Talk Growth. Um, we have a very engaging one today because we're talking about business, we're talking about life, and we're also talking about mental health as always. So, once again, my name is Michael Asiyama. I'm the founder of Support and Growth, and Support and Growth is a counseling practice um, that provides services in the community. So, anybody listening, if you have any um, so anybody that you know that requires services, please contact us, check out our website. Um, I'm a registered therapist and also a mental health advocate. So today I'm going to be hosting Sandra Francisco today, who's going to be telling us a lot about what she does. And so as we start off today, uh, please, you know, if you have any questions, please, you know, add them in the bottom and we're going to be responding to it after. And also we are using technology. So if at any time we do drop today's call, please, you know, um, come right back and we're going to be here for you guys. So without further ado, just to tell you a little bit, um, so today's segment is on, you know, business, as I said, and we are in the middle of a global pandemic, you know, we're going through a social justice movement, as well as an economic crisis. So I really wanted to talk about how some of this stuff is affecting people, and people are experiencing job loss, mental health breakdowns, you know, people are feeling stuck. So we thought like today's segment would be very fitting just to have somebody who's a business expert, has also has a lot of life experience to really talk about you know, just the whole journey of getting stuck and then getting yourself unstuck and really helping you reflect on your life and come up with some resources. So without further ado, today we have Sandra Francisco. I'm going to try my best to tell you a bit about her. So Sandra is a coaching, has been coaching entrepreneurs for over 10 plus years. Um, Sandra has over 20 years of um, experience in launching products, services, and businesses. Sandra spent over 15 years working with two Fortune 10 companies developing products with over 50, with 50 to a million, um, 50 to $100 million budgets. Um, Sandra has worked with clients um, in various industries, including retail, wellness and health, real estate, construction, beauty and technology. Her focus is coaching clients. Her focus with coaching clients is to support them in driving profit when whatever they do and balancing personal growth as long as have, as well as having an impact on people. So we're super excited to have Sandra here. So as we start, please, Sandra, who is Sandra? I guess first question. <laughs> that was a great, you did a great job. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, I am like I, just a human being doing my best. And that's one thing that I always bring to all of my clients. I am not um, in any capacity in any, any talks that I do at any level. Um, I don't like the expert title all that much, unless we're talking technology. And then, yeah, there's experts in that world. But to be a human, to be an expert at being a human, I don't know, unless you're a monk living on a mountain, I don't know how much of an expert you are. So mm -hmm. for me, first, I am doing my best every day and learning and growing and helping my clients learn and grow. And that's the, the number one thing that I do with clients is help them figure out their answers. And what do they, they already know everything they need to know, but it's just not coming to the forefront. So it's a lot of intuitive, like intuitive questions. It's a lot of really figuring out of what they're saying. A lot of times when clients come to me and they have a specific challenge, they 
answer their own questions, but they don't even hear the fact that they just answered the question. So often I just say exactly what they just say back to them and they're like, oh my God, that's it. But it was their words. So that, that's really what I do, what I'm focused on is really helping people to mirror back to them their greatest knowledge and give them what they're looking for. If I can kind of sum it up in a, in a quick way. Okay, so I know, as you just said, you know, you do a good job at reflecting and helping people kind of see themselves in a difference. So I know for you to be able to get to this position, um, you had some doing some, some of your own stuff, you know, so can you please let us in a bit on your story? How did you get here to doing what you're doing now? Yeah. So, I mean, so my story isn't a typical story of somebody who was in corporate and had this passion to start a business. So I left corporate to start a business. I work with a lot of clients in that space, but that was not my story. I, I was in corporate for 15 years before I left and my entire identity was wrapped up in my title, in climbing the corporate ladder and being that like excellent employee. And I left because I felt like I had no choice. Uh, the year before I left, I really struggled with intense anxiety, which only got diagnosed a year later. Throughout that year, it was more, I was seeing cardiologists and lung specialists and all kinds of specialists more than I ever had in my entire life. And eventually, after every test they could think of, they came back and said, you should look at this as being anxiety. And when I started to do my own research, because I was pretty much left on my own at that point, uh, I realized, well, I can't tackle this. I can't heal myself and keep up a 12 to 14 hour a day job. And I had two little kids. So I just felt like I had no choice. So I left um, my identity behind to save my life. That's really, truly my story. And when I left corporate, I couldn't stay home either because I knew that would actually just make everything worse. So a couple months later, I actually went and studied nutrition. So I was in a very IT engineering world, a very male dominated world, uh, a very high tech. And I wanted to get as far away from that high pace as possible. And I, I think there was an inner calling to want to go and study whole foods and soil and nutrition and things that I didn't know at the time. Later, I understood that it was just my body wanting some sort of relief to calm down. So, so that's how I got here. Not exactly a straight line, but I think there was a bigger plan at, at play, really. Okay. So, I mean, you're talking about leaving your identity behind, right? And right now we're being challenged to do so much of that. You know, we're living a new life. You know, a lot of us are, you know, have jobs that are no longer functioning the same way. So as you kind of stepped out of your, you know, um, previous role and then kind of went on to the, the world to save your life, as you say, what was the biggest challenge you faced at that time? So uh, the identity piece I didn't have to deal with, I would say probably until two years later. Because the first two years, I was really just focused on healing the actual anxiety. So when I finally did get to the psychologist, psychiatrist, not out of the cardiology world, because they couldn't help me, uh, they also couldn't help me for some odd reason. I, I, I guess I was just meant to try to work the path to heal myself. So what I was told is I didn't fit into any categories because I was experiencing what you would experience in a panic attack, but it would last three to four days. So absolutely no sleep for three to four days. My heart rate was like 160, 170 for three to four days with no relief. And they didn't even really know what to call it. So I had to research and figure it out for myself. So my biggest challenge in the first couple of years was healing from that. And it took me eight months to start to really 100% heal from that anxiety. 
And it really happened where I just went to the bookstore because I figured, I go, I got to go research this. And this little book, it was actually called Hope and Help for Your Nerves uh, by Claire Weeks. Uh, she's a psychiatrist. She had been dead for 40 years by the time I got the book. It's this little book. But I, I read the little book. I followed every direction. And in eight months, I completely healed from that. So that was kind of my first year. Then the second year, I still had residue from it. My nervous system had cause all kinds of other issues. So the first couple of years were physically um, focused. Then the mental came into play. So then I had to deal with the identity. And it was once I finished um, the nutrition program, which I never wanted to be a nutritionist. It was actually, like I said, just trying to get away and heal. But during, when I started that program, I started to help people with their businesses because they all had these great ideas. They wanted to do great things in the world, but they were missing the business acumen. So that's where I got the coach thing. I didn't even know what a coach was. To me, sports coach, that's all I knew. But they mm -hmm. kept feeding back to me, you should be a coach. So that's when I kind of started to go. I started consulting first because I knew that world better and then into coaching. But once I started into that world and I felt like, well, I don't want to be a fraud in that world. Now I got to go do all my mental work. And that's when the identity crisis hit. Like, who am I? Who am I to help anybody? Who am I to coach or consult? I don't even know who I am. I had a title. Now I have no title. So that's when the personal development work really got um, like that became my focus. And I really, what I did was YouTube. I, I found great books. Then I would go find more about these people on YouTube. And I would, I have easily 10,000 hours of personal development. And I would just follow that was like, I, I sleep was an issue anyway. So I would just stay up and I would listen to a ton of content and follow specific people and then read all their books and then do the work because you can read books, you can do videos and it's great knowledge. It's like watching a show, but are you doing the work? So mm -hmm. it, it's, it, and still going, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm recovered. I've recovered from anxiety 100%. I can say that with all authenticity, but I have not recovered a personality identity. It's a, a life's work. So it's always kind, of, always kind of challenging yourself, I guess, and redefining yourself as you continue to move forward in your journey. So I know your story a bit. So I know, you know, I have one quote here where you kind of mentioned, you know, you were looking you are craving to simplify your life after leaving corporate. So that's something I kind of wrote down. So I'm like, let me ask you. So what does that mean? You know, I know a lot of us are going through things that has us. Um, it doesn't mean our jobs are good or bad or something. But what happens is we're currently in a situation where we know it doesn't fit us, you know, our identity. So what does craving a simple or to simplify your life actually mean? Yeah. So for me, it really did mean changing work-life balance, first of all, because I, I was, you know, in a corporate world where it was 12 to 14 hour days and that was kind of the norm. So I was really craving to change that up and to really redress. I, I went really drastically reduced that and then found a balance later on. So that was one thing. The other piece was the uh, spending the time with my kids. I had very little kids at the time that were, I was kind of picking up and dropping off that, you know, because by the time you could get them, they're almost asleep, then you're dropping them off and they're still asleep. So it was spending more time uh, with the people that I love working less hours and then spending time doing things that I enjoy, which was a whole journey in itself in even going to the grocery store during the middle of the day. I still remember the first time that I did that after I quit my job. And I thought I was like at Disneyland. I'm like, I can just walk in here at 10 o'clock and nobody can tell me that this is wrong or that I can't or I should be at my desk somewhere. And I did have a lot of freedom in my job. I've never had a job that I sit at my desk, not from day one. Uh, right when I started, I, was, I had clients. I would go to clients. I would work from home. Um, I've, I never even was at a nine to five job. But still, just 
going grocery shopping was simplifying at like 10 a.m. So there was just these simple joys that became so addictive that I initially when I left I, my job, I always thought that, okay, I'm going to take time to heal and then I'll find another job. But again, I believe a bigger plan was at play. And I just found so much joy in the freedom that 10 years later, it's always about how can, to continue to make this work because I want to keep my freedom. So, you know what? So, I mean, if I'm correcting what you're saying, when you, I mean, you went to school, trained yourself, you have your master's, you went and got your MBA all those stuff and you trained yourself for a profession, you got into it and realized that as your life continued to move on, you have kids or the work, it just wasn't fitting you anymore. And you know what? So I didn't realize that till later. So because okay. remember when I, when I left, I left because, my, so my body realized that before my mind realized that, got it, right? Got it. So okay. I, think that, I think that all of the anxiety and everything that happened in such a crazy way was because my body was taxed and it was, enough is, it was saying enough is enough. And it was, I think, calling me to something else, but my mind hadn't caught up. So it took probably my mind a couple more years to catch up to that space and to actually realize, oh, there's a passion here. This is something that I love. This is something that I want. And that passion found me. I didn't, you know, go search for it, which, you know, I can tell you more about that piece, but 100% that it took time for my mind to catch up to my body. And I've worked with a lot of clients that it's true for them, that something goes off, whatever it is, mental so health, physical health. There's little triggers that tells you that, okay, I've had enough. I've had enough. Okay, we'll talk about that after, but it's amazing that you're saying this because one thing that I'm hearing from as we go through this global pandemic and this shift that happened in terms of our work life and how we're doing work now is a lot of people are actually enjoying for the first time, like, wow, I could function at home and actually be more effective in other areas of, the, of our life. So some people are actually realizing that, okay, maybe I should look for a different accommodation for myself just because life actually should be, be like this where I'm able to kind of have more time, spend time at home. So it's, it's crazy that you say that, you know, but I think it all goes down to, um, as you said, you didn't even know for yourself, you know, but you had the, the I guess, the physical, um, yeah. you know, triggers that told you. But so what about somebody that's sitting there right now listening, has a desire, has a passion, knows that they want more for themselves. They know they want to start a business, for example, even if it's part time, but yep. they have no idea of where to start. Like, what would you, how would you kind of advise yeah. And when I, whenever I work with clients that are in that early stages, it's usually one of three things. Um, they usually have a bunch of ideas, but they are too scared to figure out which one or to choose one because there's so much at stake. What if you choose the wrong one or they, they have no idea. They have a desire, but no idea. And then there's that stress and panic that I really want this, but I have no, I don't even know where to start. I don't have an idea. And then there's the ones that have a specific idea and then just don't know how to take the next step. So those are the three common pieces that I found. So the best thing that I can say, I actually do have a completely free six week course uh, on my website. So it's sandraifrancisco.com. It's six weeks. I actually do break down and, and solve those three challenges. So if you are trying to figure out uh, what idea is best for you, trying to brainstorm through that, then trying to choose which one, which is a, it's really a process of actually looking at using both your heart and your head. So yes, figuring out what's right for you 
passion, desire, but also not forgetting the business is about making money and profit. So also doing some work and researching numbers and figuring out some forecasting. And so there's a balance of both, but that is actually, you know, the reason why I created that six week program that's completely free is because I constantly get, whenever I'm doing even discovery calls, I'm constantly running into one of those three things. Just like I, I have all these ideas, but oh, what if I pick the wrong one? And then I, you know, and then I go down and I spend all this money and I'm doing and going down the wrong path. So there's, that is actually like with, there's exercises, there's videos, there's everything on there to specifically do that. Cause I don't think we have the time to like go through that whole thing. It's, it's, you know, quite a bit of content and exercises, but definitely if you find yourself in one of those three places, what I can say is kind of more global advice is if you take action now, you'll have something to show for it in a year to three years. If you continue to hold on to the desire but then you, you just keep it as a desire and you don't take action. A year and three years will pass anyways. And then you'll still be thinking, okay, well, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? So at least if you're not, you know, I'm not saying quit your job. And I'd never say quit your job before you're settled. And Michael, you know this. That is not <laughs> what I'm about. Yeah, I'm yeah, all yeah. about you can build a very profitable business part-time. And then when you have the systems in place, you have the profit in place, you can transition so you don't have to miss a beat. You don't have to go broke and live in your car. That, I don't coach clients that want to live in their cars. <laughs> Not my expertise. You can totally smoothly transition. But you have to take action at some point, even if the action is just to research, is just to do some work. But if you keep sitting on the desire, three years later, you'll still just have the desire. You know what I think? You're saying something right now, you know, because a lot of times you say you have to follow the heart. You have to take action. But a lot of times, okay, you know, you don't have the support of people around you. You're, you know, you're telling people, you're telling your dad about the idea. He has no idea about it, you know. And I think everybody, as you're saying, wants that simplified, to simplify their life. You know, everybody wants to self-actualize. Even though they're struggling, we naturally sometimes want to do better for ourselves if given or we have the opportunity and find a way to kind of pursue something more fulfilling. Even if, even if we're in a good job, we want to actually do something, you know. So, when we talk about passion, as you mentioned before, you know, that's a big thing. What does passion even mean? Like, how does somebody find it? Yeah, and, and you can research this or you can YouTube this and you'll find a hundred different, thousand different ways that somebody can explain it. Um, the way that I see it is the way that I've evolved and, and seeing it. And over my own experience and experience with a lot of different clients. So when I go back to passion purpose and we look at that, um, it, it, for what I've seen over time that holds true is it finds you. So the desires tend to find you. There's usually a reason um, and not like just random that you start to want something or you start to desire something. You start to dream about something. There's usually, there's something to that. So the passion tends to find you versus challenged and then struggle and actually end up having some mental health issues when they're trying to find their passion. They put so much work and effort with the head, like logically trying to find their passion and finding passion is actually of the heart. So it will find you. There will be something, you will see something, you will hear something. And then all of a sudden it bubbles up and it comes to you. So if you're in a space of, you know, your passion, I'll definitely address that. But first I want to address anybody that's in that struggle, which I see is very common of like, oh, my friend found their passion, my brother, sister, husband, I want to find my passion. If you're struggling with that, and if you're putting pressure towards that, 
give yourself permission to step back from it and just give a break from trying to go after your passion. So the one thing I always tell my clients that I've seen work so many times is start with finding your joy. If you're trying to find your passion and it's not happening and it hasn't found you, start to find your joy. So start with a simple joy list. And it's as simple as it sounds, but I've seen magic happen with this exercise. You just start to jot down. It's important to write it down. There's a reason. I don't know exactly the psychology behind it, but it always works better when you write it down. So start to make a list of the things that bring you joy. Now, the thing, when I, when I do this exercise with clients, I find my clients are in their 20s, early 20s, 30s. They tend to have a good list. As soon as you get into late 30s, 40s, 50s, they have such a hard time coming up with joy lists because it's been beaten out of us, especially in North yeah, America. Yeah, kill the dream. They, kill the <laughs> dream. dream. They, exactly, right? With the exception of my California clients, the rest of North America, it's like we've been, it's been killed, right? So then even trying to answer the question of what, what do you enjoy, people struggle with it. I mean, I had one client that he was in his 50s and this was an exercise that I gave him and it took probably two months for him to put two things on his joy list and he really struggled with it. But when he did one of those things from his joy list, which really, really was as simple as a cappuccino, that was the thing on his list. He took 20 minutes in the morning, really super busy business owner, 20 minutes, went to a coffee shop where he loved the cappuccino, spent the time by himself, which was rare for him to even get that time. And so many things changed. His business problems he's had for years started to solve themselves. Personal issues started to solve themselves. And it all came from this joy list. So that's the number one thing I would say. If you're trying to find passion and purpose and you're struggling, first find your joy. Then, do, then spend the time to do things from your joy list. Now, the other thing I notice when I, when I see joy lists is at first they tend to be big. Oh, I love going on vacation in Hawaii. I love it when we get together and have a family celebration once a year. Beautiful things. Keep them in your joy list. But you can't act on those unless you do it once a year. So you want to go further from the big things and find the little things. Even if you can find little things that you can put, if, if you're super busy, and I work with some people that are just, their schedules right now are just are what they are, and they are 15, 16 hour days. But if you can find 15 minutes to do something from your joy list, transformation will happen. And you might, you might be warned too, you might want that transformation because transformation will happen. So now, I, I, and this is a question. So what if you find that passion and maybe there's no monetary value behind it. I know even we've had this conversation before. How, how, how does that kind of plan out? Yeah. So even in like what I mentioned, that six week course, mm -hmm. a piece of it is finding the passion. And then you go further and you rate that you actually, there's actually a rating system where you rate uh, what's the value of that passion in the market. Mm -hmm. So let's say, you know, you find your passion and whatever that is like, you know, juggling that's your passion mm -hmm. uh what's the value of that in the market so maybe you could do some parties and you can make x amount of dollars and actually get you to calculate all that and then come back and say can you live on that can you also have the rest of your life the way you want it living on your passion and if the answer is no then that's not a business that's it. and that's perfectly fine we can do our passions also part-time so that doesn't have to that's be good. your business that could be your passion and you could find other passions the more passions and, and I mean, you have to look at how much time does it take if your passion is, you know, to go surfing in California, uh, which I have clients in California, so that's literally their passion. Then you, and if you don't live there, you might say, okay, well, how often can I do that passion? And you've got to figure out your budget and your time, but you can, passion does not have to be a business. You can actually also do a business that's not a passion that feeds your passion. 
That's it. So that's the other piece of it, right? You can choose to do a business that you enjoy. You can enjoy, I mean, you wouldn't want to choose to do a business you hate. That'd probably be not very much fun. But mm -hmm. you can choose to do a business you're good at, that there's a market value for. And it's not your passion, but it's okay. It's fine for now. Maybe you're just going to do it for three years and then transition. But in that time, you could be building a fund to go do something that you love and you have passion for, or something you do on a regular basis that's a passion. I think that's been confused for a while. I think, you know, and I agree. So pretty much your passion does not have to be your business, you know? So, and it does not have to be like Mother Teresa, for example, you know, what she does, her contribution is, is you can't even put a value to it, but, and I'm sure there's no monetary value to put to it, you know, that level of contribution. So it does not have to be a place where you get paid for it. So um, I think that's, it's good to clarify that. So yeah. you could have a business and you could have a yeah. passion and if you're able to have both of them in the same place, then, you know, that's even better. So I think with that being said, I think today as we kind of, the one thing we're talking about today is just finding your passion. Um, so what if you're trying to find it and you're struggling, you're saying that you should find the things that you like to do. So find your joy. So if you're finding your passion and you're struggling, find the things you like to do and kind of make that a daily practice until you start noticing some patterns and then kind of review it for yourself. So um I think um, what, what, what is one message you have for anybody who's afraid to even take the first step? Because I think fear is a big thing, you know, as we talk about, you know, as you said, anxiety, you know, if you're a person and you're living in a situation you don't want to be in, you have dreams, you have goals, as you mentioned, you know, you want to do something, but you don't even know how to go about it. How, what is your first advice? So I always say where there's fear, check for excitement. So if there's, you have a fear of something and you're sitting in the fear, when you sit in that fear, and it's going to require you to feel the feelings, because as human beings, we also have been conditioned not to feel. Like the first thing we do is we bottle, right? And I know what you do every day is you unbottle people, right? Take That's off it. Yeah, 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 I try. <laughs> That's what you do, right? But human beings, we bottle and we bottle. So finding your passion and your purpose, that also has to do with like starting to feel your feelings, because mm -hmm. it can be hard to do if you don't open up your heart. So you're going to need to do that. So yes, definitely is allow yourself to feel the fear instead of like, you know, masking it somehow or bottling it, feel it, and then look for the excitement. Because if there is even a tinge of excitement along with that fear, take a little step forward. Because mm -hmm. if, if there's a reason for it, if you feel terror, if you feel absolute terror, you need to do some work. And that's where you come in and you do, you do the amazing work in your profession where you can really help people. There could be trauma. Mm -hmm. There could be things associated with that. But if you have a tinge of excitement, take a little step and then find the next piece of excitement, take another step. And with fear, I always say too, take some time to again, write it. I, everything you put on paper is much better than it's in circulating in your head. Write your fears, write them out. So I'm afraid of this happening. This is my worst case scenario. If I, if I look at, even if I start a part-time business, it's going to lead in like me failing. And then my friends are going to know I started this business and it's going to end up making no money and I'll be a failure. Write it down and then question it. Is that true? Is it 100% true? Can you be sure that that's true? And, and then look from how do you mitigate that? What if that was to happen? What if you were to start a part-time business, people would find out about it and it never made any money. What, what could you do about that? Would you die? Could you move that's on it. from that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, put it on paper, question it. But the biggest thing with fear is look for the mix of fear and excitement. You know what, I had a, a professional tell me today after 20 years of having a very successful business that I don't wanna do this anymore. I'm no longer excited by this job that I do. So I realized that you could, you know, you could even have something that's so successful, um, but at the same time be challenged because, you know, you want something else while you continue to maintain what you have. So what would you be your advice for somebody who wants to kind of continue to have 
you know, their full-time job, but then, as you said, have a side, a side thing, you know, how do you balance the two? And then your family also, because I know I have, I'm looking at the people that are online right now, we have people who are juggling multiple roles. What would be your advice for that type of entrepreneur? You know what I, I always think of, uh, because I've done this many times with clients, and I always think of Tony Robbins' quote, where we uh, underestimate what we can do in 10 years, um, and we overestimate what we can do in a year. So whenever somebody is looking at that, they're looking at a finite time. They're like, but how can I get anything done in this year when I have little kids and I already have a full-time job, but I really want to start this part-time business, but how can I even make a mark? And they're, in their mind, they already have a time frame. How can I make anything significant happen in a year? But if you stretch that out and you realize, okay, it's, let's say three years, let's say it's for, for sure this thing's going to be part-time for three years because I've got kids, because I've got a job that is paying my bills. And, and by the way, you know, like I, I get the money isn't everything, but neither is poverty. So if you're going to, you know, follow your passion and be broke, trust me, you won't be happy. I've had those conversations with people, right? <laughs> yeah. So there, there's also, yeah, like appreciate your job for the fact that it's doing something for you. It's paying your bills. And then if you're going to start something part-time because you know your heart, then just give yourself more time is that people always run into trouble when they're looking at that question but they're looking at what can I do this year and then it seems like a bleak thing but if you give yourself more time there's so much you can do in three years to create a part-time business that can go full-time you know what I think uh, one of my biggest struggles was my relationship with time because sometimes you think you have all the time in the world so you procrastinate and then you also don't realize how much you could get done you know because I look at this past three months of us being locked up kind of and I have done so much in comparison I think I've done a, a year's work in three months you know so we don't give credit to how much we could get done when we focus and we actually sit down you know so um, for everybody listening I, I think you know today's a great first session with Sandra uh, we're going to be having another session just to discuss more about business and what to do after you find your passion. Because I know today's session, we've talked a lot about passion. Um, Sandra is here to actually really give us some great tips to start us on our journey. And then if you do require any more support, you can also reach out to her as she does have a platform that supports entrepreneurs and people who are actually just going and looking for themselves and also trying to make an impact, have an impact, build a business and change your life. Um, I'll tell you personally that Sandra is somebody that, you know, I've definitely done a lot of work with that it's just great in terms of the knowledge that she has and her expertise so I'm very excited to hear and even learn for myself what she has to share with regards to what do you do after you find your passion so our next segment that's coming on Sandra's going to be teaching us and just really having a nice conversation about what to do after you find this passion so please I know it's uncertain times right now continue your learning on you know just so that we could have some questions we're going to give two minutes if anybody has any questions please type it so Sandra Sandra could answer a question or two because you guys, you know, Sandra's somebody that's very expensive and hard to get a, a hold of. So <laughs> any questions? Let's go. Any entrepreneurs in the building today? <laughs> or what? Or aspiring? Aspiring entrepreneurs. <laughs> let's, let's get some questions in, you know, because I think it's great to kind of have this chat. Um, but I think um, really... I know for an entrepreneur, you know, we make the most out of uncertainty. Can you talk about that? Because right now we're in uncertain times, but then there's some who are really finding up this as an opportunity to do many things. So I, as we close off today, what do you, what is your point on that? You know what, that's, I think you and I might even had this conversation. What I found as soon as COVID started and the first three weeks was really, really busy trying to get my clients all, you know, 
we had to pivot a whole bunch of things, strategies and stuff. But the number one thing we all said in conversations with business owners and entrepreneurs is the rest of the world is experiencing our lives right now. Because as a business owner and entrepreneur, you never know. You're completely in the unknown all the time. And one of the biggest personal development pieces when you start a business is getting somewhat comfortable. I'm not totally comfortable and it takes time and there's always uncomfortable. moments of being uncomfortable, but getting some comfort level around the unknown. And all of a sudden COVID hit. And I felt that too, like the rest of the world is now having forced to live with the unknown. So it, it is something that is, again, one of those things that I believe is not a, you know, you can't put a bandaid on it and it's not a one-time fixer, but it's just a, more to the fear thing that I said is being aware of what it is you're feeling, allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling instead of like distractions, which so many of our distractions have taken away. Like other than Netflix, <laughs> yep, no, so I many do. of them got taken away. So we were either forced to like deal or, you know, That's like, it. and then uh, the things started bubbling up, right? So yeah, for 100% is, you know, dealing with the unknown is just, unknown comes with a thousand different feelings. If you even feel a couple of them, you're already going to get better in the unknown. You know what? I have one question that we're going to take. Somebody said, um, how do you retire in 10 years? I know this is a big question, but you know, those type of questions that I just want to, you have to get your expert opinion. How do you require, because that's what we all want. This is why you're here, Sandra. How do you require, retire in 10 years? Okay, so I'm, I'm probably not the best person to ask this question because <laughs> I never planned to retire. Okay. Um, so when, so, and I'll give you just that perspective. So when I was in the corporate world, um, that's what we are taught. And I, and I worked for Bell Canada and in the days when I started that we had golden pensions and it was all about pensions. And I, again, I, my identity, everything, I never would have left this company. Like I got taken out cause I never would have left. Uh, everyone, you know, even said it was crazy when I was deciding to leave because everything was just like set up. You'll, you'll be set for life because you have this amazing pension. Uh, As I learned about myself and personal growth and got to know my truth and who I am and found my passion, um, I have no plans to retire. I, I hope I never get forced to retire. Uh, Even if I'm like, you know, in how long I live and all I do is talk to one client a week. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like that would be like, you know, maybe reduce the amount, but to have a life where I'm not doing my purpose is a nightmare to me now. Like just, if you were to force me to say, you can no longer work with people, you can't work with clients, then I'd be stuck inside my head and that would suck really bad. <laughs> so I have no plans to retire, but I will answer from the other way is if you are thinking of like, how do I make, um, you know, how do I make a lot of money so then I can live, you know, a different lifestyle and a choice That's lifestyle, yeah, yeah, which yeah. that could, also be part of the question and if that's if you're asking that question within a job there's some limitations because you're you know your salary is your salary if you're asking that question within a business then that comes back to you know the harmony and the work-life balance and what you're willing to do and maybe you do have a plan like i work with clients that they know that they're going to work hard like they're going to really drive for three to five years and they have a plan and they've got they know where their numbers where they're going to be and then they're going to reduce that space and they know exactly what that looks like, right? So that uh-huh. does require some planning. Yeah. It requires business structure, strategies. I've worked with clients to do that. Sometimes that involves mergers. Sometimes it involves a long tail sale. Lots of different business strategies if you're in a business that you could do to build that up and then have choice. You know what? So on our next segment, we're going to get into some of these strategies. So please watch out for Sandra. She's going to be with us, God willing, next month. So as we end off today, I'm super excited to have Sandra. You know what? And actually for you being vulnerable and actually sharing your story with us, 
Um, we're super, super, super excited. And we thank you for that because I know this is actually the best way for us to learn when people are able to be vulnerable. And that's what support and growth. And that's what Let's Talk Growth is all about. So really thank you for being here. So we're going to have Sandra again. Um, next week, we actually do have coming on uh, Philip Osei, who's going to be helping us discuss, you know, athletics and mental health. Philip is a new balance athlete, Canadian 400 meter champion four times in a row. He's a support and growth ambassador and he's really helping us build out our mental health um, strategy within the athletics and actually pushing the community. So we're super excited to have Philip next week. Don't miss out on that segment and don't miss out on Sandra's return. So please check us out, share our updates, share this video with your friends. So we're super excited to have Sandra. So thank you very much, Sandra. And if, any last words? I mean, where, oh. how can we find you? Uh, com, And like I said, you'll have free access to that six week course that will help you get through the idea mm -hmm. stage 100%. Okay. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. And yeah, look forward to our next time. No, thank you very much, Sandra. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye guys.